sometimes a little more my bloody podcast <laughs> good evening everyone good morning and good afternoon and happy second breakfast on this lovely lovely thursday afternoon in dallas texas it's gloomy outside Oh, kind of. It's rainy. It's February. It's winter. And this is my bloody podcast, number 38, episode 38. It's hard to believe we've been together for 38 episodes, but we're very glad to be here. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm with the amazing, the fantastic, the legendary, the excellent, the magnificent horror opus maestro himself, Preston Barta. How are you, sir? Doing so well. You nailed it. That's exactly what I am. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just glad you are confident in that you know exactly you are the legend here. So I'm very happy you know too. <laughs> um, we have an excellent show for you today. Uh, we are talking about the 1990 version, the 1999 movie Audition from the insane Japanese filmmaker Takashi Miike. Uh, we have some horror news, bloody questions, which we can't wait to have answered, uh, and our bloody recommendations. Uh, but I guess, I guess yeah, before that, uh, Preston, you doing all right? I'm doing all right. Good, good Quite deal. good. Good. Um, did you, I'm trying to remember what I saw this week. Um, like and like horror wise, I guess I have to wait till next week for um for climax from Gaspar No, which will probably be a little bit of horror. But are you seeing that? Yes, I am. Oh, fantastic! I'm so happy that you're seeing that. I, I will be there with bells on for sure. Yeah, and um, I, I haven't seen that many horror movies this week. It's uh, I know you saw uh, Fighting with My Family, right? Correct, and it was excellent. Yeah, and I saw uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, the third one, and I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, not very much uh, horror there, but yeah, we we see everything. It's got a bad guy in it. (laughs) That's true. It's true. Um, And there's fighting in Fighting with My Family, so maybe horror, maybe a little violence. That's what we should do on this podcast, (laughs) just convince everyone that every movie ever made is a horror horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle, a horror movie if you look at it. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be good. You don't even need to cut one of those fake trailers that they do on YouTube, Um, you know, like what they did with – like they did Silence of the Lambs as a comedy and The Shining uh, as a Dumb comedy and Dumber. Too. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber as a horror movie. Yeah. yeah, those are great. And The Shining was funny because they did like The Shine as a comedy and they just changed the music instead of like yeah. the creepy music to like silly comedy music. And it's like, oh yeah, it is a comedy. <laughs> and it's not. Every every ingredient is important in horror. It very much is. So, uh, yeah, we're excited again today to talk about Audition. Um, I guess a little update about future stuff, uh, future podcasts. We are um, going to be having our own podcast channel uh, very soon, our own website for the podcast. And uh, we just hope that you subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, It helps us out, so... uh, Please do that. We are very much looking forward to starting all of that out. Um, but 
for news wise right now, um, let's jump into the bloody news section. Um, we are going to talk about. We talked about this last week. Uh, the CW, the CW Network, is going to be doing a Lost Boys TV series, and it looks like Catherine Hardwick will direct the pilot. And it looks like the Frog Brothers, played by Corey Feldman and, oh, I cannot remember his name, uh, will be now uh, ladies. They will be sisters instead of brothers now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know what to think of this. I th- I, uh, Rob Thomas from Veronica Mars, it sounds good with him in it, but I don't know. I just I don't have hope for this. What do you think? Um, I guess the, I'm just going to be echoing a lot of what I said last time that we talked about it. It's like all this, all this news is, uh, doesn't have mean too much to me until I start seeing like footage of like what the tone would, would be. Um, I think, you know, if you look at Catherine Hardwick, a lot of people immediately start thinking of like, uh, Twilight, but, um, there's a lot of work that she's done that's great and i think she's a really good visual filmmaker and so um i i don't know it's just like it could go either way but uh i'm not gonna judge it until i uh see something right um yeah when you think of lost boys and then you're like oh the twilight person's coming over and you're just like immediately don't want to watch it (laughs) it's just I don't know. Maybe she has a different version of vampires from Twilight to go. I don't know. It's and then and then you get that guy, Tyler Posey from Teen Wolf, joining the cast and yeah, the TV so, series, not the movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, all this just seems too glossy and uh, not going for the original fans. Uh, or not not for the original fans at all it just seems like a uh a concept that interested a, a network and then they're like let's just uh reinvent it for the teen love and age so um uh, doesn't sound completely promising but again yeah i'll i'll wait and reserve my thoughts until i see something from it sounds good um and speaking of vampires uh i'd like to talk to you unless you want to uh you said you watched a little bit of the new um what we do in the shadows tv show do you want to talk about that um i can't until uh yeah it's under embargo until um it premieres at south by so as soon as it uh releases there i'd be very happy to do that well, okay then. I, I forgot it was an under embargo, but okay. I'm uh, I'm very curious on what you have to say about it. <laughs> All right. We'll um, see. Yeah. Moving on. Um, we talked about uh, last week. Happy Death Day one and two. Um, which we both, uh, I believe enjoyed one movie or the other but the guy who did those movies scott lobdell has another movie called odin he's working on and he describes it as the reverse john wick where instead of like a guy uh killing everybody because these people killed his dog uh a dog 
goes on a rampage after his owner is murdered. <laughs> Which just, I feel like I made a joke about this when John Wick 2 came yeah. out. <laughs> um, but this sounds amazing. I think I'm all in about this. What do you think? It's it's written by the same guy who did A Dog's Purpose and... Uh, he was just like, let's uh, let's change genres and switch gears a little bit, and that's not true. Um, yeah, uh, I think it'll be fun. I, it's a fun premise. It could be one of those things where it just sounds so goofy and fun on paper, but then when you actually watch it, you're like, I don't know. But at the same time, I really like the Happy Death Day films, and um, I, I expect it'll have more to it than just being one really long SNL sketch or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, think it could be good. Could be good. I really think it could be amazing because I guess, um, Lobdell wrote a graphic novel for it and a feature script for it. So we'll probably get a graphic novel of it at some point, but I mean, the possibilities of this, I mean, I think, Going by, you know, Happy Death Day, I think he mixes well, like, the comedy and the horror aspect very well. So I'm hoping, like, I think this will get tons of crowd reaction in a theater, I think. You know? Like, I, I picture, like, the dog just, like, mourning over uh, its owner's death and just, like, pacing back and forth. What am I going to do? <laughs> and maybe, like, just arms himself with something and just goes crazy. I mean, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I mean because we both own dogs and like don't you like would you want that to happen like let's say like if somebody like offed us our dog would be standing over us and then just go seek vengeance. Uh, yeah, I would love that. I mean, I <laughs> be uh, haunting them as a ghost just to witness this all myself. Oh my goodness, it would be... Uh, uh, I, I like this. So look out for more news of it that we'll probably talk about it constantly. Like, how are they going to illustrate, like, the dog psychology? Like, uh, is it going to have, like, an inner dialogue at all? Or is it just going to be a very silent movie? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I really hope that, like, they use a real dog, but, like, maybe, like, very well CGI its eyes to, like, very humanistic emotions, where it, like, squints its eyes as it's mad or something like that. I, I'm very, oh, my goodness, there's so many possibilities. And, like, would it be, like, I'm trying to think, like, would the soul of the owner go into the dog? I don't know. I don't know how we're, what we're working with here. I, I would like to think that it's just the dog uh, has wants to do that, and they're not doing a, a dog's purpose or a fluke type of situation where the soul goes into <laughs> to the dog. I, I'd like to think that, uh, just as we were talking about with their own dogs, that our dogs care about us enough that they would do something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, so many different possibilities, so many different directions you could take it in. So I, I think that's the fun of what this movie could be yeah i think so too so we'll we'll be back with more hopefully we can get a graphic novel and read it as well so i i am curious um but yeah look out for odin odin's raven um all right moving on next news uh we we do not have a third season yet of stranger things but it's coming soon 
Um, however, Dark Horse Comics, uh, there will be a new comic book that will be uh, Stranger Things, their Stranger Things comic book, and it will focus on a new young girl with special powers. Um, and I guess uh, it'll be very important to Eleven's story from the TV series. So, uh, I mean, I'm curious about this because I think as we saw in season two of Stranger Things, there's other people that share Eleven's powers, you know? So... It'd be cool, like maybe a comic book form to like follow somebody for perhaps a full season of this. Are you into this? Are you still into Stranger Things? Uh, I I think it's just because um, it's been so much time, which is a, a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing in that it gives them more time to kind of create something better um, instead of being a rush project. But at the same time, you kind of like lose interest. Um, because there's so much content uh, out there. So like right now I'm like, I'm not even kind of feeling stranger things at the moment because my mind is so preoccupied with so many other things. And so, uh, news like this doesn't necessarily, uh, pique my interest, but I think it's a, it's a cool thing that they're doing this because it's, you know, the star Wars, uh, community, has been very upset that a lot of the side stories and everything that we have been getting lately don't necessarily go into dip, uh, focus on different characters and how expand the world even more. And so this is an opportunity for them to kind of do that since that episode and season two introduced that there was so many, there's more people out there that have powers. And so, uh, it's just like a, such a small thing, but then, you know, we go back to focusing on the, the main story at hand. So, um, I think that's an exciting thing. I'm not necessarily interested in, uh, finding out for myself. Maybe I'll just hear about it secondhand. And if I hear, uh, it's, it's worth a damn. Cause I'm not really a comic book guy. I think the only comic book I've ever read in my life was Watchmen. Um, that, uh, I won't be picking it up, but yeah, if so, if you pick it up and then you're like, okay, uh, maybe this is, you should check this out. But at the same time, you'd probably recommend another comic book for me to read before something like this. Correct, correct, correct. I would. Um, yeah, there's some really good horror comics, Preston. I might have to recommend you some. But yeah, right. for those Stranger Things, looking for more Stranger Things stories that's coming out through Dark Horse Comics on May 29th. So uh, look out for that. Moving on uh, to something kind of cool that I didn't know about. George Romero actually wrote a novel, an unfinished novel, but it has been finished, and it's called The Living Dead, and is coming next year in 2020. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, the Daniel Krauss, who wrote Shape of Waters novelization, uh, will complete the George Romero Living Dead um, book, which kind of sounds awesome. So, uh, yeah, I more George Romero stuff. I I'm in. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's cool. I would like to know like some of the facts about like how much did he actually complete uh, and how much did Daniel have to write and were there like notes as to like where it could go. Uh, uh, I don't know too much about 
George Romero's writing process? Does he uh, does he outline? Does he do any of that, or does he just kind of go along for the ride with the rest of us? I I just I don't know. So uh, I'm I'm fascinated by just the making of this book too. So I hope there's uh, information like that that will be released. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. More stuff from him from him uh, is always welcomed. Yeah, so it'll release in June of 2020 from Tor Books, and it looks like it's going to be a very massive zombie epic, is what people are saying, or cool. at least what uh, Daniel Krauss is saying. So, uh, yeah. Expect we'll, a movie. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. To basically probably replace like World War Z, since nobody can get that off the ground. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, look for that. That'll be awesome. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh my goodness! Good news for Preston. More steel books coming in yes. the form of Pet Cemetery. <laughs> uh, and, are you? Ex- and I have reserved my copy. I reserved it a couple of weeks ago. So this will be exclusive to Best Buy. So is it? I've I've noticed like Best Buy kind of has the market on steel books. Like they're doing all like the exclusive Pretty steel much. books. Yeah. Um. I go on Blu-ray.com. There's like a form that you can go on where you can see the calendar for like steel books that are being released. And so I check that pretty actively. I also follow a lot of uh, Instagram accounts that are overseas that release stuff like they get access to Mondo stuff. So even overseas, they have this copy, this really cool uh, cover art for Pet Cemetery that uh, – has like all this blue and everything like, but even the regular 4k edition of the, of a uh, pet cemetery looks good too. So yeah, uh, it seems that Best Buy is just getting most of the deals, but I think, uh, for glass that'll be coming out in April, I think targets getting that one. So, um, uh, it varies, but it seems like probably about 80% of it goes to, uh, Best Buy. Interesting, interesting. Uh, is there any? Well, the the artwork for sure is cool inside and out. But with the steel book, are you just getting the steel case, or is there any new bonus features exclusive to this one? Uh, no, there's no additional bonus features or anything like that. It's just uh, I've kind of developed this uh, mentality of I don't really want to own the regular version if I can get a steel book. Uh, collector's edition because it, it you know it has more value and uh, they only make so many of them and um like the halloween 2018 one that came out is so so slick that it's sold out the first day and then the value of it went up to 75 dollars like the next day which is just insane but for me i'm not that type of person who's gonna buy multiple copies of them even you though i think it. Yeah, and I think Best Buy has this thing where you can only buy two at a time, but you know you can store hop. So there's, uh, I, I I don't I don't promote that sort of thing. Um, I I when I buy something I intend to keep it. Um, same thing when it comes to like Mondo posters and things like that because people have that sort of thing too or tickets. It's just a huge issue and it pisses me off. So. Um, but yeah, uh, this pet cemetery copy is really cool and I'm excited to pick it up, but, 
Captain America, the first one, is actually hitting Steelbook uh, next week, too. So I've, I've been on top of it. I've been keeping up with everything that's been uh, coming out on Steelbook. And you can go on, like, Best Buy dot uh, com and like type in 4k steel books or steel books and just kind of see what's in the pipeline and you can pre-order it and that's like the safe way to go so i just uh revealed my secrets so shit <laughs> <laughs> well i mean steel books i mean i haven't gotten into the steel book i i think we've talked about it you know off uh yeah off the podcast before but in your collection do you keep all the steel books together like in a row uh, Yes, yes. Um, so I have my Shout Factory steel books that are in their own column because I have the the collection that I'm most proud of is my Shout Factory collection. I, I told Brian last week I, I was like, dude, guess how many Shout Factory films I have, and I have 215. Um, and so I put my steel books for Shout Factory at the, at the very top, and then I do my regular Shout Factory collection, and then I have like Arrow and vinegar syndrome and uh criterion and then i have my steel books and i i have almost about a hundred of them um but i uh put them all together it doesn't matter if they're 4k or blu-ray um and i have these like protective (coughs) i used to make fun of people who did this but at the same time i what steel books can get so easily damaged and that's another thing when you go to best buy um and i pre-order stuff i'm so particular like when you go up to pick up your copy i'm like can i look at it before i walk away with it because you got to look for box slices like when they open up the box uh a knife uh slice might be on the spine of it and then they're so they can be so easily dented uh so it's just a it's a pain in the ass to uh maintain its uh, shine and uh, perfection that it, it required me getting these like protective uh, plastic covers to slip them in. And so uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. I'm very nerdy about that stuff, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, when you can, if it ever came to me actually tr- selling these, if uh, I don't, I don't want to, but you never know when like a new version might come out. Um, so, um, they're just nice investments. That's how I look at them at, uh, look, look at them. But, um, yeah, I, I have a whole process for doing it and how I buy them, how I, uh, keep them in shape. So, um, yeah, there's, there's me exposing everything about my movie nerdiness his his psychotic collection (laughs) obsessive compulsive collection and it's real funny because i i've noticed that about like i I have a few steel books um and i've owned older steel books before like dvd versions and even though they're called steel books they're not like they're very easy to damage like preston said which is very weird you think they'd be like solid and sturdy and unbreakable but it's they have no it's it's like uh i I mean i've talked about it on here with my iron man 2 steel book that my son damaged one time and i had to super glue the plastic but uh now you can like uh sometimes go on ebay and buy a plastic inserts from people to kind of take out and put back in so there's ways around it but um 
yeah, uh, they're so they're so it's so easy to dent them. And uh, like, I mean, you told me that you had uh, the Friday the Thirteenth collection on Steelbook, and I hope that's in good condition because that's probably one of the most expensive steel books out there. Like you can go on eBay and look that up and I think it's over 200 bucks yeah, or something a, like that. So, uh, very nice. Yeah. It's a, it, it's in top shape. I think the only thing I'm trying to remember there, like, so inside it came with like several things and I think yeah. like what, like the patch is missing from there. Cause I think it came with like a, a camp crystal lake patch um like to put on your jacket or something like that and i don't think that's yeah. in there but other than that everything else is in there yeah see that's another thing that i do um oftentimes when you buy a steel book like the list of special features and the synopsis all that information that you tend to get on the back of the cover is just like a little paper uh wrap around and it's usually has like some kind of sticky thing like putty that's like holding it onto the steel book right and a, a lot of people throw that away but um sometimes you'll encounter problems if you try to sell it to like uh, a store that we have out in dallas or in texas is movie trading co and um they don't have the barcode and so they, they, they can look it up and value it but um it'll lose value so i keep track of all those little uh paper things uh too and a lot of people throw that away and so i put up a post not too long ago on instagram about how i'm very particular about keeping those and so because i have these little plastic uh covers to protect my steel books that it can just fit in there no problem and i don't have to worry about the paper getting damaged or i'll tell people to just go put them in a box somewhere um, same thing with people who have slip covers. I was like, don't throw those away. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, there, there's, I guess another level of nerdiness for me. Yeah. I, uh, I hear you there. It's, uh, it's good stuff. We could talk about steel books all day. <laughs> yeah. You're probably like, uh, what's his name from, uh, happy Gilmore going psycho. No, no, no. I, because I'm the first to like, if people who have known me for years know that I've had, crazy collections and like i well i never got into the uh steelbook collection i have definitely had my own collections that i've had and you know as far as movies and completing the sets buying things over and over in different versions and stuff like that so no i get i get it i totally get it yeah and more power to you because the steelbooks are awesome yeah very Uh, passionate about it all yeah that's good uh, and I think one of our last bits of horror news, there is a supposed, the movie Alien, Aliens, you know, the things that come out of your stomach and eat you, Sigourney Weaver, Ripley. There's an R-rated Alien movie or TV series, animated TV series called Alien Isolation that is uh, on its way, supposedly, which, oh my goodness, yes, please. Um, yeah. This I, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw an R-rated animated movie besides South Park the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I watched uh, one of those like Batman 
ones that came out, and I think it was oh, rated R. Right, but there was like very little rated R. I reviewed it, uh, and it was very recently. It's like Suicide Squad or something like that, and it was rated R. But there was like nothing really rated R about it. And then there's the Castlevania animated series on Netflix, which could be rated R because it's super violent and gory. But this just this sounds awesome. I'm very excited about this. Uh, yeah, especially since uh, it, it kind of goes along the lines of uh, a lot of these, I guess what uh, Neil Blomkamp wanted to try to do um, in that they did with Halloween. Um, uh, it's set like 15 years after the original film and it follows the daughter of Ripley. Um, and it's it's about investigating her disappearance of her mother um so uh yeah i'm all i'm all for stuff like that i think if if we're not going to get any more alien movies uh anytime soon i think any kind of alien content especially if they tried to bring it back to uh the original horror feel of uh the earlier films because uh i know that's been a complaint and that's a big discussion that we could just have here and it's been kicked around for a long time um that people are upset that it's turning into like Blade Runner at this point, And then asking a lot of existential questions and it, what it should do is just be a monster movie and just focus on that. So, and, and then if they're going to expand upon it uh, further, then it just needs to be something as simple as hey, a daughter trying to find her mother or something like that. I think that could be a good thing for the franchise. So um, maybe this will kickstart more adventures on film and maybe Ridley Scott will uh, pass the torch to somebody else and uh, or maybe he'll collect his uh, senses. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. So many possibilities with this. Well, yeah, and even so, maybe uh, the Alien franchise, which is owned by Fox, is about to be owned by Disney, so maybe we'll see True. the Alien universe in Pixar or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think so, but yeah. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> be the best of both worlds there. All right. We need an R-rated Pixar movie, don't we? It's about time. It's been too long. You know, R-rated yeah, Pixar I mean, they're, they're pretty much adult movies anyway. Um, because they have to be annoyingly emotional, might as well just just go uh, full nude. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a full nude Incredibles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that stuff exists online. Yeah, I'm uh, sure it does. Go down that rabbit hole. We encourage it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Is there any other news before we get to bloody questions? Yes, there's one piece of news that actually was released about an hour ago or so. I got an email about it from Netflix that, uh, to no to nobody's surprise, that Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy of the Haunting of Hill House series, and they, they're also responsible for such films as Gerald's Game, Oculus, and Hush, um, uh, have signed a, a long-term partnership with uh, Netflix and Intrepid uh, Pictures, and so they're going to be developing a new season of the haunting uh, of Hill House, which will now is as we suspected uh, on that episode that we did with uh, David Lowry not too long ago, that it would be an anthology series. So that's the case here. 
Um, and I believe they're going to be developing uh, another series for Netflix and probably some more films. And so, uh, yeah, they're going to be busy making uh, movies and uh, television series that scare us. And I am completely so happy about that because I love Mike Flanagan's work and he's very good at it, as we've said multiple times on this uh, podcast. And so this is ex- very exciting news. Yeah, super. Um, this is great news. Just, oh, yes. He knows what he's doing in the horror genre, as he's proved so many times, especially with the Haunting series. So give him more horror. Yeah. And uh, we got Dr. Sleep not too uh, far down the line. So um, good things uh, coming from him. Very, very true. Um, well, cool. That wraps up our new section. Uh, we're on to bloody questions. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Preston, you came up with the horror question this week. It is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, this week, I, I just thought about there's so many movies that I've watched where the protagonist is either super annoying or there's some side character who should have died but didn't. So that that's the question I'm posing this week. So what horror movie character lived until the end of the film but should have died? Um, so, uh, Brian, would you like to share your answer first? And I'll go, and then we'll get into the Reddit sphere. Yes. Uh, in all the horror movies, uh, you know, who should have died early on but kept ticking till the end? I hate to say it. But Mike Tobacco from Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I just feel like that character, that guy is just consistently in the way and adds nothing to the story or his girlfriends. He's just a pain in the ass, it seems like. Everybody else does something in the movie uh, besides him. And I just think like he's just kind of annoying through the whole movie. And uh, he should have died at the beginning. It would have been a better movie if it was just like, her and the police officer, and not him. Uh, so I, I choose Mike Tobacco, unfortunately, because I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, and if we ever get the the possibility to talk with Mike Tobacco, <laughs> I will tell him this, and he will probably be angry. But oh well, wrong uh, kid died. <laughs> uh, Preston, what about you? What, what you seem to have had an answer before you had came up with this question. So I'm curious what you were thinking of. Yeah, it, it was hard for me to narrow it down because I have so many that come to mind. But um, I, th- I think the one that drove me the most nuts outside of like maybe Buster Rhymes in the Halloween franchise is uh, uh, the little kid from. Uh, uh, the Babadook. That kid <laughs> should have been punched in the face so early on because he's screaming and throwing tantrums, and he was just driving me nuts. And I, I know a lot of people have complained about how annoying he is in that movie, and so it would have been fantastic if he kicked the bucket uh, really early on in the film. <laughs> that poor kid just had just had issues and his dad was not there and just no friends i don't care what trauma or (laughs) mental health issue he has he should have died no that's that's so bad (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great i love it i love it um well it's it's good i i don't totally get it i just that's funny um okay so we asked the question on reddit and we had some great answers 
interestingly enough, some guy uh, or some girl, I don't know, Scorpion TDC wrote an essay. <laughs> All right. It's it's like I think it's like eight hundred words. <laughs> Good Christ! Uh, we should ask for permission and then post it. Yeah. So he basically gives like several different. Uh, answers and like explains all of them (laughs) it's pretty great uh but uh let's let's go through a few so uh keep on rocking 613 uh said uh ted from friday friday the 13th too the dude who got too drunk at the bar passed out in the car in the parking lot of all places instead of heading back to the campgrounds Maybe he didn't deserve to die, but out of all the nights you don't go back to your bed home cabin to pass out in your car is the night Jason is on his spree. <laughs> but the guy lived, but he should have died. So uh, there, there that is. Um, uh, Karen, uh, K-A-R-I-R-E-N, I guess that's how you say that. Uh, the redhead with the dog in the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I totally agree with that. Because mm-hmm. she like goes out there to decide to save the dog and she's like yelling it's like oh my goodness she should have died right uh yeah but you also have the very end of the movie right where like nobody lives oh yeah that's true nobody does live that's true i forgot um all right my favorite one i had to comment on this shreddy orpheus said jennifer love hewitt and i know what you did last summer first (laughs) brutally And I I replied back to that. I like I'm curious on how brutal. And he replied, each limb chopped off while she slowly bled to death. And as the last gleam in her eye comes forth, chop her fucking head off. <laughs> we might have to do a background check on this guy. <laughs> oh, that was super funny. <laughs> um, L i q a m a d i q eleven. Lick him a dick 11, I guess. <laughs> Says LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Hell no. Don't agree with that. Like you got, he was the best part. Really? Yes. <laughs> he was so funny and enjoyable. That, I mean, we got that glorious rap song. I mean, he didn't sing it in the movie, but uh, he he stabbed the shark with his uh, necklace in the eye, and that was my favorite uh, shark kill. Uh, yeah, I, I loved him in that movie. Well, we disagree with Lick-A-Ma-Dick 11. Interestingly enough, Dark Steel X5 said he did die in the original cut of the movie, but test audience liked him, so he lived. <laughs> ah, So good. All right, Marcos MN kind of agrees with Preston. Tommy Doyle, holy shit, that kid is annoying as fuck. Only slightly less so as an adult played by Paul Rudd. That'd be great. Uh, So do you think Tommy Doyle in the original Halloween was annoying? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Okay. Um, Lord uh, Necro said Sean Bean in either Silent Hill movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Timmy E.V. says the dumbass protagonist from As Above, So Below. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one pop up before. And then uh, the Saboteur 7 says Gina Holden's character in Harper's Islands, and I don't know what that is. 
Do you know? I don't. Uh, I, I don't either. So that's something I have to school myself on. Yeah, there's quite a few responses to that. Uh, cool. Bavathon says that fucking kid in House by the Cemetery. <laughs> um. Oh, Hannah. Hannah Renee. Perfect. The girl in Don't Breathe. She was a shitty person, and her friend yeah. should have lived instead. Yeah, the what's his name? The one that's from Prisoners. Yeah, he should have lived. Right. So I remember seeing Don't Breathe, and while I enjoyed the movie for most of it, I still don't get how like these kids that were in this like were horrible people, stealing and thieving and stuff like that. And like, are we supposed to like root for them? I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, that's a whole big talk that we're probably going to have with uh, audition. So, uh, yeah, True. there's 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 uh, something to be said about movies where you're following characters doing shitty things, and then uh, it, it's strange how you you feel conflicted, where you're like, man, I I'm am I supposed to be sympathizing with this person because they're doing some horrible shit or um, because I'm relating to them on a human level and trying to put push past uh, uh, their, their heinous acts. Um, so yeah, it's just a huge discuss- discussion. Um, we'll probably get a little deeper into it uh, further in the episode. Cool. Uh, Lakers fan 34 said Lori strode in Halloween 2018. She got stabbed in the stomach and thrown from the second story balcony and ran off in like 10 seconds. So, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. Uh, maybe like on a, like a, a literal level probably should have died from that. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of movies where, you know, the, the hero can dodge so many bullets and death Usually the main characters make it out, um, uh, so I can I can understand that. And then at the same time, I'm like frustrated, and as we've talked uh, before about Halloween, that uh, she makes some dumb decisions where she should have done stuff a little sooner, and then stands by the door when she has this uh, fortress going on, and then makes that dumb mistake. So. Uh, I, I can understand on on a little part, but at the same time, looking at the franchise as a whole, like where things could go and how it could be perfected in future installments, I'm glad she did live. Right. Um, and then our last one, of course, is the big essay, Scorpion TDC, just went above and beyond everything. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing, but he talks about uh, a lot of people from the Friday the 13th movies... Um, he talks about Cold Prey, uh, the movie called No One Lives, uh, the movie Frozen, uh, not the uh, animated movie, but the uh, one where the kids are trapped on the ski lift, uh, Mother's Day, Piranha, Venom, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which, uh, yes, Jessica Biel should have died, 2001 Maniacs, um, and, uh, let's see, Brad Pitt definitely had a gory death coming his way in Cutting Glass, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember seeing Cutting Glass, did you? No, I haven't seen that. Alright, he, he lists a few other movies, but he goes into detail about everything. It's, a, it's worth the read, and great, and we thank you, Scorpion TDC. Uh, but yeah. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, we will, we sure will, um, so you can read that. But yes, um... 
Perfect, perfect, perfect. That is our uh, bloody question. If you want to uh, give us your answer and talk about it, please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. And we'll read it on the air and talk about it and love you forever. Yes. Um, on to bloody recommendations, good sir. What say you? Um, I, I guess I, I, I've kind of hinted at that we're going to have a bigger discussion about films where um, you follow a character who's doing some horrible shit and uh, you, you slightly feel for him. And then at the same time, you're like, uh, die, die, die. So uh, my pick goes along with Audition this week, and it's a 2005 film called Hard Candy. Oh, my goodness. Hard Candy. Uh I love this film. Interestingly enough, at some point we'll probably talk about it. I did a video uh, series on YouTube, which is still there, called Mr. Nice Guy. And I uh-huh. basically play a character that's like Mr. Rogers, but like reviews really <laughs> fucked up movies like Salo and Human Centipede. But one of them was Hard Candy. <laughs> and it's an amazing film. <laughs> and I can't wait. I'm so glad you r- r- picked this. Yeah, um, it, it, there, there's a lot of movies that popped up in my mind when I watched watched Audition uh, this week, and um, this was one of them. Um, mainly because when and we'll get to it in in Audition when it comes to like torturing people, but um, I, I thought of the same. I thought of the one scene that's uh, grinding, that's teeth grinding in hard candy. But uh, uh, for those who don't know, the movie is about a teenage girl who, uh, uh, strikes up a conversation with a man online and they decide to meet. And then he, uh, go, she goes over to his house. And I should mention that the girl is played by Ellen page before Juno and, uh, inception and all her fame after that. But, um, and then the, the man, is played by Patrick Wilson of the Insidious and Conjuring series. So um, some uh, some horror vets in there, because I, I know Ellen Page has done some other uh, thriller-type stuff, uh, like flat, uh, Flatliners, uh, even though I heard it wasn't that good. But uh, she was also in that great uh, zombie film uh, that I recommended before. What, what is it called? Uh, the, the Cured. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, the, this uh, movie involves uh, her uh, exposing him that he's a, a pedophile, and so uh, it's a very creepy movie where you kind of get inside his headspace, and then her uh, getting revenge, and a lot of it's uh, manip- man- involves manipulation and uh, torture and things like that. And so it's a, it's a crazy ass movie and especially how it ends. Um, so if you haven't seen that film, um, I remember it was recommended to me in high school, um, shortly after it came out and, uh, man, when I watched it, there's one scene in particular, um, where it just, uh, made me, uh, want to put ice on my, uh, nether regions out of, out of out of uh, how much pain was inflicted, um, or at least mental pain, uh, uh, even though the scene itself involves ice and numbing. So uh, it's crazy ass movie. Really good performances and uh, shocking. And so yeah, it's one to revisit. Um, uh, and goes really well with uh, audition. Very cool. Yeah. No, it's a great film. If you haven't seen it, there's some 
pretty crazy scenes to it. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I was on the edge of my seat sweating. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. How yeah. they do that movie. Um, well, good. Good deal. Uh, good, good recommendation. Good bloody recommendation. My bloody recommendation this week. Uh, very different. It is, but it it only falls in the realm of audition because it's a Japanese movie as well. And the movie in question is from 2003, Japanese film called Battlefield Baseball. Have you seen this, Preston? Nope. Battlefield Baseball is an insane Japanese horror comedy movie. Um, So it mixes a ton of genres, being horror, sports, martial arts, and sci-fi. And it is super gory and bloody. So basically this movie is about a high school baseball team who gets to go to the big uh, baseball tournament at the big stadium for their first time where they have to play the rival team who their last tournament, they brutally killed the entire team <laughs> on, the, in the, on the field. Uh, so as they're trying to get their team together and stuff to do this, a couple of them die by hilarious ways and they come back as zombies where others come back as cyborgs and they're playing baseball with zombies, explosives, samurai, robots, and monsters. (laughs) And it's just insane. You have to see it if you like any type of any it, it's so off the wall, but it's super well done and a pretty decent budget that the zombies and the gore and everything look really good, but they're all like a high school baseball team. Um, I do recommend this movie just for the sheer fun of it all. Like if you're looking for a new baseball movie, seek this out. Battlefield Baseball, Zombies, <laughs> Robots, and Samurais. <laughs> Screw Field of Dreams, what? this yeah battlefield baseball and it's you know it's it's in japanese with english subtitles and it's just it's insane it's it's super gory i think you'll like it if you look for it on like youtube watch a trailer for it and you're just like oh why am i not watching this right now but all those things come together in this movie i don't think there's like a whole lot to be said for like the underlying tones of the film really it's just like this director, uh, Yuda Yamaguchi, um, just, uh, he's like, ah, I like all this stuff. We're going to put it all in this baseball movie, and we're going to make this crazy, insane film. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, there, there's poison injecting baseball bats in here, exploding balls. It is crazy. So, uh, <laughs> watch this one. Battlefield Baseball goes well with hard candy. <laughs> But not really. Um, but moving on to the main event of today, Audition, which has just been released by Green Arrow, right? Yeah, by Arrow. By Arrow. Arrow video. Not Green yep. Arrow. Arrow. Arrow Video. Uh, Audition is a 1995 film by Takashi Miike. Takashi Miike is known. He's a legendary Japanese filmmaker. Uh, known for like a really like some hardcore stuff like Ichi the Killer and stuff like that. But Audition, one of my favorites of his because the movie plays out kind of like a romantic comedy movie and then all of a sudden just, woo, in a split second goes from zero to 150. 
in the real fucked up category. And I've seen this movie quite a bit, but Preston has never seen this movie up until we, uh, until very recently, and maybe yesterday. Um, so this morning, this morning, oh, you woke up to this fantastic. So, like we, we did an episode on. Um, on uh, Bubba Hotep, and I did not know Preston's thoughts about it until we recorded, so I do not know Preston's thoughts on Audition, and I hope he loves it as much as I do, because it's such a good movie, but Preston, what are your thoughts on Audition? What do you, what do you think? What do, you, do you think I like it? I mean, knowing you, I think you go 50-50 on like how, like it's really well done, but then I know you also don't, I don't think you might not like the big torture stuff, but I know you like gore, fun gore too. So I don't know. It's a very, this movie, you, I don't think you want to show your loved one, like especially a woman, because it's like, it, it might be too much. It's, uh, I don't know. What do you think? All right. So I, uh, I did love this movie. Yes. Uh, a lot. Um, uh, mainly just because of the, the, rabbit hole that I went down a rabbit hole of thought I went down after seeing the movie because uh as I alluded to earlier you know in, in this movie we should probably uh, uh do, do you want to briefly mention like what the movie's about and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty right so yeah the movie basically is about a middle-aged guy who his wife died and his teenage son uh and you know tells him like you got to get out in the dating scene again you pretty pretty depressed and this this middle-aged guy is like a producer a film producer mm-hmm. um so he's pretty successful so his idea is to stage a casting uh a, a cast audition for young women but instead of for a part uh that he tells them it's actually to be like his date and like his new love and so this young, it's like the bachelor. Yeah, it's like the bachelor, basically, just but what one person. And so this young uh, Japanese woman comes in there, and he's very attracted to her. And so they begin a relationship, and it's kind of like like romantic comedy, but there's like little odd things from both sides, especially her side. And then as this, the movie goes on, you realize like there's like police reports of like severed bodies and all sorts of other things. And this might be the same girl. It might not. Like wink, wink, Yoko. <laughs> but it's it goes from zero to 150, like I said earlier, because like you're like, OK, it's going this place. But then, oh, my God, they're showing everything. And ooh. There's like, because I don't get easily grossed out, and this one's very difficult for me to watch because of like the visual effects here. Oh, Preston, it's just so good. And I must say, one of the scenes in the movie that had one of the biggest jump scares for me ever in life there's a scene with a girl sitting in her apartment by a telephone, and there's a giant, like, hefty plastic bag by there, like, you put your garbage in, and the scene is silent. Yeah, it's it's the first moment of true horror in the film. And then from there on, that's when it goes off the rails. Right, right. And so like it's a silent this silent shot. And you're just like, oh, okay, this is just happening. And then all of a sudden the bag moves in a violent way. <laughs> and I remember like jumping out of my skin. I'm like, oh no. And uh oh yes. 
<laughs> That's what I said after that. And then it just goes from there. Uh, but yes, audition. Talk to, talk to me about this, Preston. What you thought, this rabbit hole of thought you went watching this movie. And do you agree with me? Like, if you're in the dating scene, you would not want to show somebody this movie (laughs) no absolutely not my wife would hate this movie uh not because of the themes of the movie but just of the body torture it's very uh david david cronenberg like and uh yeah when we get to the actual torture scene uh it's it is brutal um (laughs) super brutal it's like hostile uh uh, it, I don't know why I thought of the scene from uh, Nutty Professor when he's like uh, Jenny Craig with sticking all those needles <laughs> in his body. Right. Uh, except this one, it's hitting all the most sensitive parts of the body. So, uh, like I, I his eye, just, his eyeballs. He, yeah, right below <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it's it's intense, and the way that he shot it is super creative because, like, it could be something on like a. Uh, I guess it could be argued uh, whether it is or not, but like on a B movie level, like it would just show you like all the gore. But a lot of, a lot of it's kind of left to your imagination. It does show like uh, certain body parts being cut off, but when it comes to like the eyeball sequence uh, where they stick a needle right below the eye. Um, let me say right before, uh, I get into this, if you haven't seen the movie, absolutely watch it. But right now we're going to be diving into it. Um, so when they stick the needle right below the eye, I, uh, the camera just shows like her, just her putting the needle in. We don't see it actually go in. So, uh, you know, when you brought up that scene, uh, that silent scene where the bag moves, uh, a lot of the, the horror of this movie kind of comes from the sound effects. So you hear like the needle like puncture the skin and then you hear the guy scream. And uh, it, meanwhile, she's like doing like a, a thing kind of similar to Get Out or The Witch, uh, not The Witch, uh, Hereditary, where they have like some kind of creepy thing that repeats she says something like deeper cool. deeper yeah yeah but she, but it sounds like a like, like almost like a meow or something it's like deep, deep, deep. Or, I, I don't know I, I can't uh recreate that but man it just uh, greatly disturbed me but um yeah um there's there's uh it's a very interesting and curious movie because as you said that the the first half probably like the first hundred minutes almost um, the movie's very deliberately paced and, and, uh, I did a good thing by not watching the trailer. I didn't, uh, look into the movie at all. Uh, I've just heard good things about it. And so when I got the email to possibly review it, I jumped on it and, uh, I just didn't, I had no idea what to truly anticipate. And so, uh, I just went on the journey blind and I'm glad it did because the entire time I was like, when when is the horror uh, going to kick in? But at the same time, you know, if you're really thinking about it, um, it it's creepy. It's creepy that this guy is going to these links um, to to meet women uh, because uh, he's in this position of power. It, I mean, it, the, the, the movie is like diving into uh, – uh, 
people being treating, uh, treated as objects without agency. And so like toxic masculinity, like all the things that are being, uh, brought to the forefront in society today. And so it's a very interesting movie to kind of watch in today's, uh, social climate. And, uh, and it's a, it's, it's a kind of horror movie that I really like now, like something like Candyman or Get Out when it's dealing with a lot of, uh, themes that are kind of, uh, are being uh, broken open or, or being uh, dived in. Okay, I'm not really articulating it very well, but uh, they're being exposed at the moment. Like uh, I, I just just had no idea that it was going to be like this. And so, um, yeah, the the first half kind of feels like something like something about Mary or something like that. Um, because this guy's very fixated on this girl and for going, uh, going to this level to, uh, to meet women. And so, uh, that kind of, it feels like a horror movie the entire time. Uh, and not so much, it doesn't really kick in until that, you know, that moment that the bag moves, but, um, at the same time, like you're spending so much time with him and you know, uh, the trauma that he's experienced of losing his wife that he wants to kind of like, he just wants to find the right woman for him, but he's going about it the only way that he really knows how, which is, you know, his friends suggest that he should, you know, do, do hold like an audition for this, uh, film. And then, uh, if they end up making the movie, they would, uh, he could uh, go with like some of the women who don't get cast. And so that's kind of diving into like stuff that probably has happened uh, more often than we think uh, in Hollywood um, with uh, producers taking advantage of women uh, because of their position of power. Um, so, but because you're spending so much time with him that you're, you're, you're thinking like it's okay. And so you're like wrestling with the question, is this right or is this wrong? And then, you know, ultimately you really settle on the idea that it's completely wrong. Um, but, uh, it's just a really fascinating film to kind of dissect. And, uh, it's not clear cut. It's not well-defined. Uh, I know some people have thought that maybe, uh, it, it is a dream, or maybe it's not because I, I would argue that it's just, you know, it's, it's left open to your interpretation that, that maybe it is literal, uh, literal because in, in, when it comes to the torture scene, uh, she is, uh, getting, getting her revenge. And she says, uh, something along the lines of, uh, you're, you're the same as everybody else in this sort of industry that, uh, takes, advantage of women and, uh, holds these auditions and then, uh, uh, takes advantage of them. And then, uh, you deserve, uh, what you have coming, which is losing your foot, getting stabbed in multiple places and, uh, having, being paralyzed, having your tongue paralyzed and, uh, uh God damn, <laughs> there's just uh, so much like and, and you get to see what the worst of that situation could be because once we see what's inside that bag which is a, a guy with 
um, missing fingers and no feet and no tongue and eating vomit out of a bowl. It's yeah, it's she fucking she insane. Th- she vomits into a uh, a dish and like that's his food. <laughs> it's so great and just uh, Do you think they could ever remake this for a U.S. audience, like a U.S. version of this? I think they could. I think they could right now. Um, uh, because I, I think that was another surprising th- thing for me. Uh, I haven't had uh, much experience with Japanese horror at all. So um, this is one of my first introductions into it because, you know, I'm still uh, I'm almost 29 and there's a lot of movies that I still need to see in my life. And so uh, I'm making my way through them as fast as I can. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was crazy that the movie, uh, it almost feels like some uh, a filmmaker, kind of like hand, hand, The Handmaid, not Handmaid. The Handmaid. The Handmaid. The ha- Handmaid. Park Chan Wu. Uh, when I saw yeah. that, like, it's it's amazing, like how much of it, how how well it translates to uh, American audiences, or like uh, how much we can understand and comprehend. It's not like a lot of it doesn't depend on Japanese culture. You, you don't have to be from uh, Japan or some place in Asia to really understand uh, the details of this film. It's it's very understandable and relatable. There's a the universality to it. Um, and so I, I think it could be uh, remade, but at the same time, like it's just such a well done film that it should go untouched, and more people should just uh, familiarize themselves with this uh, film because uh, I I just have a feeling like if it was remade, uh, there would be more answers explained, and I love that the movie like ends in a way where you're just like. Uh, no, like I said, like nothing's like uh, well defined, and so uh, I, I just like the, the idea of uh, oh, because uh, part when it comes to it possibly being a dream, I thought of uh, Gone Girl because when he wakes up the following morning, it, like th- that's a whole movie to th- on its own to think. Uh, God damn, he just went through that uh, very traumatic dream and then he's got to wake up next to this woman who the entire time people have been telling him you shouldn't be uh pursuing this woman you should uh go elsewhere and uh but yet he's just so fixated on her because of her this essay that she wrote uh for the before the audition because of how much experience she has in life or even how young she is like she's experienced loss um so this made me think of split um and an experience in trauma because when she starts to reveal like her body to him he has she has these two marks on her leg and then through imagery later we find out that uh there's a a, re- a relationship between uh, physical pain and, and sexuality and the way that they work hand in hand in the film. And you, you kind of see that. And so, and at the same time, we do, they're not flat, her flashbacks, they're visions that he gets when he's in like a, a coma state. And so you just don't know what to take as uh real true or fantasy and so 
I, I just think that's that's exceptional filmmaking. I think if American audiences were to get a remake of this, it would provide more answers and it wouldn't be as interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And like, I think this, like the film, like you said, it tackles like, you know, child abuse and, you know, like interesting versions of like, you know, the misogynistic society we're in. Gross men, yeah. Yeah. And then, but also, do you think it could be like, I mean, it's definitely not feminism to torture or anything like that, but do you think there's like a feminist aspect to the, the, I guess the antagonist Asami in the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, well, she's getting uh, revenge against uh, men who have this position of power and abuse their position. And so um, there's, uh, yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's there. There's, there's a lot that can kind of come to mind. You can argue it so many different ways and and that's what makes the movie so great. Uh, there's a movie that I saw at Fantastic Fest uh, called The Perfectionist, or The Perfection, and um, oh yeah, has, with uh, Marnie from Girls, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and Get Out, um, uh, Allison, Allison Williams. Williams. Yes, yeah. Um, and I could feel uh, that that director of that film for for The Perfection uh, took a lot of inspiration from from this film. And so, uh, man, I hope that movie comes out this year. Cause you didn't see it at uh, fantastic fest. Did you? Unfortunately, I, I wanted to, I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that movie was the most wild fucked up movie. I saw at fantastic fest, uh, last year. And it's supposedly, I don't know. I don't think it's found distribution yet, man. I really hope somebody buys it. Blumhouse should get it. Uh, I even, uh, I was like standing in line and, uh, Ryan, uh, Turk, uh, the guy who's with Blumhouse, uh, I had brought up that movie to him. He's like, what's what's a movie that you liked? And I was like, man, this movie called the perfection. He's like, man, I read that script. It was great. And I was like, you should get it. Um, so I hope they get it. (laughs) Um, but, uh, that would be that the remake in a, in a lot of ways because uh, I don't want to spoil of anything of what happens in the perfection because it's a really great movie but it just kind of deals with very similar material where you just don't quite know what's going on and I, I like movies that deal with that sort of thing where you, you think that you have figured it out and you don't and then there's just so much so many more layers to it and I think that's what makes this movie so great so I wish I would have saw it earlier in life because who knows like what my taste in horror films would be today um if i had saw it earlier like if i would have uh be more familiar with japanese horror i'd be more familiar with this director and but i i'm glad i watched it and um yeah this arrow release is great uh, it looks really good um the re- the new restoration and there's uh interviews on the f- in the film um and so, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot to be there's a lot of material there after you see the film where you're like, God, I just need to uh, have a conversation about this movie. Um, and you can kind of get that, even though it's one sided uh, from like the special features. And so, uh, yeah, def- if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know why you've listened to it uh, so much already. Uh, but uh, or maybe even if you have, you should uh, pick up this Arrow release and uh, revisit it because it's a very interesting film to more interesting film to watch 
uh, nowadays, as I've said. Right. No, yeah. It, yeah. So it's on Arrow. You can go to their website or get it on Amazon or wherever it's available. Because uh, this is one you're going to want to have in your collection. But yes, be yeah. wary of showing it. Like, if, if you are in the dating world, just this is not a date movie. <laughs> Unless you know the date is like really into horror and fucked up movies. Yeah. Um, my, as I've said, like, my wife wouldn't be into this, but at the same time, like I, I, don't, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to bring this up because uh, it had me thinking a lot about the the start of the rela- my relationship with my wife. Because uh, at the time that I was uh, interested in her, after we saw each other at a movie, her 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 aunt passed away, and I. I just I don't know why I thought of this because the movie causes you to kind of look at uh, stuff that maybe you might be might not be comfortable with like your own thought process um, because at at the time uh, um, I was just I was just really interested in my wife and I didn't want to I, I, the thought entered my mind of like did I use uh, her her aunt passing away as a way to uh, further pursue her, which is such a fucked up thing, but it is not what I was trying to do. But th- this is what this movie does. It like causes you to look at stuff from your own past and your own thoughts and just like uh, messes with the DNA of it all. And it's just bizarre. Like So it could have like a good effect. It could have a bad effect. Uh, but it's just like a very interesting uh, movie to have. So I don't know if it's had something, if it, the movie had any sort of effect on you like that, where it's just caused you to uh, look at yourself differently and uh, maybe step back and be like, whoa, I, I, I hope that's not, uh, that, that was not my intentions at all, but I hope people don't per- perceive it that way. I don't know if it's had that sort of effect on you or not. I think like, you know, after watching it so many times, I can get past it, but yeah, definitely like, yeah, just like be, be aware of yourself and what you do more so, you know, like be kinder, or like be aware of what you're doing and affects others. And I just, man, it got real on my bloody podcast just now. And, uh, I feel like audition, like provided the path for Preston's relationship, even though he didn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear i was not using uh her aunt passing away as a way to further pursue my wife but uh j- just the for the movie to have that sort of effect to like second guess things in your life is just just crazy so uh that's how you know uh movies are just uh powerful so uh, a movie like like this can just uh, have that sort of effect on somebody is just insane while also being very disturbing and messed up and good all rolled into one yes audition so after watching this movie are you in for more japanese horror are you in for more takashi Mike? uh yeah I, I would love to uh uh look into more films that he's done i know that this is like kind of the pinnacle of of his uh, filmography. Um, but I, I think is a very deliberate or he crafts films that are very deliberately paced, or at least just from this one. Um, and he has a very good eye for, uh, understanding, uh, the way the human consciousness works. And so, um, 
it's fascinating. So yeah, I would love to look into more films from him and Japanese horror in general, because I'm just finding myself, uh, finding, uh, a, a whole new world of, of, uh, possibilities of, of storytelling. And so, um, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Good, good. And I will recommend you a bunch of them. <laughs> bring it. I will bring it. Uh, people done by like other movies of Takashi Miike and other people. But yes, I think that wraps up our 38th episode of, uh, of My Bloody Podcast with Audition. And we want you to watch it and buy it from Arrow Films. It's awesome. It's on new on Blu-ray. Uh, and just, it's, you're going to love it. Uh, also we want to remind you to email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. Go to iTunes and subscribe to us, rate and review us. Go to boomstickcomics.com. Go to highdefdigest.com. If you want to find me, Brian Kluger there. And, um, we also want you to remember to watch Battlefield Baseball if you get a chance and Hard Candy and then Preston can be found all over the World Wide Web. Where at? You can find me on Instagram at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A, where I'm recommending movies, uh, all the time and showing off the cool artwork. And you can find my writings on, uh, Ditton, D-E-N-T-O-N, R-C.com for Ditton Record Chronicle. And look under the entertainment tab and find movies and you'll find my latest reviews and, uh, interviews and my Blu-ray 4K DVD column, which will, uh, this weekend include audition. So I'll put that in written form. And then I'm also the features editor of freshfiction.tv where I'm posting articles written by uh, some very lovely good writers, uh, including our good buddy James Cole Clay, who's been uh, really hitting the books hard and uh, has been putting out some great material. Um, so, uh, yeah, good stuff all around. Sweet. And we'll be back next week with more horror goodness at my bloody podcast. Thank you, Preston. Thank you.